Welcome to the Lemon Spark Podcast, where we share stories about lemons that spark a new direction in life. I'm your host, Barbara Zabala. Welcome, Bobby Linkamer, to the Lemon Spark Podcast. Thank you so much for being willing to join me today to talk about your Lemon Spark story. Everyone, this is Bobby Linkamer. She is an author and recently retired book coach, editor, and ghost writer. Her latest book is called How to Age with Grace, Living Your Best Life in Your 70s, 80s, and Beyond. Again, thank you, Bobby, for joining us today to share your story of inspiration. And let's start with COVID. <laughs> okay. I'd like to end with COVID. Yeah. Like to end COVID. So it's been a year, uh, certainly not only for me, but for everyone. And even though I think I've been through some dramatic ups and downs, they're really nothing compared to what I know a lot of other people are going through that is far worse. But it's been, um, it's been a dramatic year. I was visiting one daughter in Florida and went back home just before they closed the world. And so there I was stuck at the other daughter's house, which was fine. I was having a wonderful time. Where so was Florida. home at the time? St. Louis, and where I am now is Jacksonville, Florida. It really started with closing the business, which was massive because I had been doing, I had been writing for 50 years, but 30 years of it was being in business. And I had three criteria for not doing it anymore. And they were, if there is no work, because I was working with clients and helping clients. If I can't do the work, my fingers went or my mind went or something went, or if I didn't wanna do the work and all of them happened at once. And so there was really no way to fight the inevitable. And I said, this is really a, a way of knowing that I should stop this now and do something else but I could never stop writing. So the minute I stopped doing it, I started writing this book. But oh, wait, um, this was, you closed your business closed, uh, last it, year in 2020? It was the end of, tw- of 2019. Okay. And I gave up the car and that was really the hard thing. I went to a doctor who said, you have neuropathy. And I know about 9,000 people who have neuropathy and they're all driving. And he said, and I really think you should stop driving. And I said, well, how many people have you said that to? And he said, many. And I said, and how many have taken you up on it? And he said, one. And I said, okay, make that two. And I turned in my car to the leasing company without really thinking through now, what am I going to do? I mean, most people plan how they're going to get around before they get rid of their car, but I did it backwards. So I gave up the car and that could get around on Lyft and Uber and things like that. But my daughter found herself doing more than she really wanted to do. I mean, and this is in 2020 that you gave up your car, right? Yes. Okay. She was chauffeuring and delivering groceries and 
I I think it was getting too much. And so she started shopping around for um, an assisted living facility. And the only positive thing for me was that there would be a lot of people there. And when you work alone and live alone for years and years and years, the idea of meeting people is very appealing. But that I didn't really need it. I mean, I was totally independent. So then when I came back from visiting my other daughter in Florida, I was supposed to go for an evaluation to see just how much help I really needed. And that was the day that they just closed down everything. They closed down the facility and all facilities and you couldn't go anywhere. And I couldn't do the evaluation. So I was living with my older daughter for four months and I had a wonderful time. I could have stayed forever. But she has, you know, I'm 84, so my kids are not young and they have their own health issues. And I think she would, she just did not relish the idea of being a full-time, in her mind, caregiver. So she packed me up and um, drove me to Tennessee. And my other daughter drove up from Tennessee and they switched all my belongings and they switched the mother and I went back to Florida, and that, it turns out to be permanent. Um, Nobody thinks I need to be in assisted living, and they've been quite generous in opening their home to me and saying, come on, y'all come move in. So I've been here for, I don't know, six and a half months, maybe. So the moving in the car and the business and the, you know, not knowing where I was going were all pretty stressful, or would have yeah. been. And for some reason, I didn't stress out. Those would, are some big stressors. I mean, in you know, the hierarchy of stressors in life. Right. No, losing yeah, you know, losing right. your job or your employment right. or your business, right. moving, losing your ability to drive. Those are all thing, big things, big life changes all at for, once. My reaction was not what I would have expected or what anybody else would have expected. I mean, I'm not usually Zen. But the book was a lifesaver. I mean, I started writing and I wrote for a year. The first year of writing a book is you write it, you you have it edited, you produce it, you publish it. And the second year is you get it out there and you market it and you sell it. So I'm on the second year now. But I think that book absolutely saved my life and my sanity. And besides that, I think it's going to help some people because it really does address the issues that people my age are dealing with. So you started writing this book and to remind everyone, it's the book I mentioned at the beginning, how to age with grace, living your best life in your seventies, eighties and beyond. You started writing this book in early 2020. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote it like the end of January. And then when I came here to visit, I wrote it while I was here And then I went back to Terry's and I wrote it all the time I was there. And then I came here and I wrote it until the end of the year. I pretty much finished it at the end of the year. And it's it's at the publishers ready to go. So the act of writing this book, which was more you you had told me you wrote it for yourself because you're in the age group that you're writing for the audience, the intended audience of the book. And you feel that, you know, a lot of the things that you were addressing and talking about in your book will be of value to other people who are in the same 
age group and wondering how to live their best lives at, in their 70s and 80s and beyond. And one of the things you do when you're writing a book is you look to see what else is out there and how this book is going to be any different or any better or is going to meet the needs of the readers in a way that isn't being done. So it was partly me, my own experience and my own, you know, first person. And then there was, you do research because there's so much out there. If I had even realized how much more there was, I'd probably still be researching. I think what makes it different is that I interviewed 18 people. And these interviews are really powerful, especially the people who are there now. Like, how do you create your support group? And one person who said, you know, she, when she got divorced, her husband got custody of all her friends. And I could really relate to that because that's what happened to me. So she said, I just went out and made a support group. I found other people who play tennis and we all were getting a divorce. And so we bonded. And three people I interviewed got COVID that I know of so far. One of them was, I think she's still in ICU. Um, one of them did pretty well, and one of them died. Wow. And she had interviewed all of them before they got COVID. Right. And the person who died, I interviewed immediately before I left St. Louis. She was 95, and she chose to age in place and live at home. And she had caregivers, and she caught COVID from one of her caregivers. And just after her 96th birthday, she died. And she was an old, old friend of mine. I mean, I, I've known her for years. And that is just such a profound loss. And it brings this all home. We try to be empathetic, but unless you get it, or you know someone who you really care about who gets it, you're still a little removed. So you had a lot of lemons in, in a nutshell. You had a lot of lemons in, in a very short span of time in 2020. COVID, you know, just sort of being the icing on the cake of all of this stuff. And you said that what got you through was writing this book, writing, writing. Um, in general, and that that was your go-to. You and I talked before the, you know, we started recording our session and you had mentioned that your love of writing really was the spark. You know, you found that during a, another lemon in your life many, many years ago, a divorce situation or a, a marriage situation. And that's how you stumbled upon one of the reasons why you stumbled upon writing. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because this, of course, is lemon spark. And we always want to know what's the spark that came from the lemon? Seems to be serendipity. I took one of those high school writing classes that you don't think is going to be anything. And I took it because a friend of mine wanted to take yoga and I didn't. So I said, well, I'll find something. So I found this class that was taught by a reporter for one of the St. Louis papers. And it was, uh, it was not really very helpful in any way. And and I don't think we did any writing and no one else had ever made a dime writing anything. And when she asked about that, has anybody ever made any money writing? I raised my hand and realized I was the only one raising my hand. And all I had done was I gave book reviews to women's groups and they paid me. So at the end of the class, she took my shoulders and shook me. I mean, literally back and forth and said, listen to me. I know talent when I see it and I see it in you and you better keep writing. 
on one hand, I don't know what that was based on because I had no idea what she had ever seen that I wrote. And on the other hand, it was the most powerful thing anybody had ever said to me. And it was my mantra for life. And I took it to heart. I believed it. And I never stopped writing from that day forward. And that was 54 years ago. And just so the listeners understand, you took that class in part, you know, you mentioned how your friend wanted to take yoga, you weren't interested in yoga. So you found this writing class, but you were searching for a class in part because of some discord yeah, at home. Yeah, my marriage was not going well. Going through a divorce when I did, which was in 1970, nobody was doing that. It was frightening to our friends. They thought we were contagious. They figured if it could happen to us, it could happen to them because we had looked, you know, cute and happy and had two kids and a house and what more could you want? And everything inside the door was falling apart. So you took the class, magical words happened, and you all of a sudden found your purpose. But I did everything wrong for four years. I, I mean, I filled a scrapbook with things. Um, it took me four and a half years to actually do anything worthwhile. But finally, something got published. And it was a humor piece on being a handball widow. And once you see your name in print, oh, my God, you're, you're gone. You never, never get over it. Um, then I had, I was already divorced and I had this opportunity which my whole career has been insane. So I'm a freelance writer and a housewife with two little kids and no husband. And I get hired to be the editor of a city magazine with no more experience than someone who was about to climb a mountain and had never had mountain climbing clothes on. And I'm running this city magazine. And that was really another magic moment because everything, I learned everything by simply doing it. Well, I just want to editorialize for a moment. I think, I think when you do truly find your purpose in life, that it seems like there are a lot of miracles, but I think it really is about you opening the door to possibilities because you are following your heart at that point and you're more wide-eyed and receptive to ideas and doing things you might not otherwise do because you now are being drawn by a purpose. Well, I agree with you, but at 36, I was not the most insightful human being in the world. I was just trying to survive. That may be. It, I don't think it requires you to be co- necessarily aware and cognizant. I think if, if you, you knew you, you loved writing at so 36. And I, wanted, I knew also that I wanted to get better. That mm-hmm. it wasn't enough to have a good job. I wanted to be a better writer. And usually that came with, well, you know, we really need a photographer too. Can you take pictures? Sure. Um, we need someone to lay out the newsletter. Can you do that? Absolutely. I never said no no matter what it was. And if I didn't know how to do it, I went and found somebody to teach me. And so that went on for a long time, 50 years. I mean, I wrote things that were, can you write um, websites? Of course, I never even saw a website. What I learned was say yes and figure out how to do it. And, and that's a great 
lesson saying yes, as long as of course it's of interest to you and it, it you know, fits within your purpose. I don't think you can lose. Well, right? the other thing I learned was that nothing you ever do, no matter how ridiculous and outside the box it seems and unrelated to what you think you want to do, nothing is ever wasted. All these things that you said, oh my God, well, I'll do it because it's part of the job, but it really doesn't fit in my little path that I'm on. Later on, you'd go, oh, right. Oh, mm -hmm. let me see where they came in. Especially when I started writing the books. That was another, I mean, there were so many miracles. I said, I want to write for national magazines. Well, are you kidding? I mean, I was working for a company. I was, you know, doing things I really didn't like. And, and one day the phone rang and I swear this woman said to me, hi, I'm the editor of a national magazine and you've been referred to us and we have a story that we think you should do. So I was writing for a national magazine and on and on and on. Well, you put it out there. You put the idea out into the universe. I think you're right. And, and the universe responded. I realized that that was happening and that that does happen and that's real. Yes, I believe that. So with the idea that the this podcast is for people who might be going through their own lemons right now, their own struggles, Bobby, what are some words of wisdom that you have for them? Well, I've read over the years a lot of, Buddhism. And one of the major tenets of Buddhism is that everything is impermanent, that nothing lasts. And things are bad, but they pass away. Nothing lasts, no matter how bad any of these situations in my life have been. They didn't, they weren't permanent. I mean, the pain I felt at the end of a marriage or when one of my kids got sick and we didn't know what to do, when some of these jobs were so impossible, I was ready to tear my hair out. Those things ended and there, there was something else waiting. And I didn't know what it was. And I, I will say that I'm not a religious person, but I believe in everything. And I believe that everything is possible. And I've had more possibles than anybody could ever possibly want or expect out of life. So hang in there is, is one piece of advice because no matter how bad it is, it isn't gonna last. There's a termination date right. for everything. And we don't know what it is, including our own. Well, if you can find your thing that you wanna do, there's a book out by, um, it's an old book by somebody, it's called Flow. And the, the man has a, a name with about 5,000 consonants and no, uh, maybe one vowel. Holly. Yeah. I can't pronounce. Yes, that's it. <laughs> well, when you're in flow, time stops and you, you just are in a, in a la-la land in the zone and you're doing what you're doing because you're so into what you're doing that you can't stop and you could wake up and it's like the next morning. How did that happen? So you have to find your thing that puts you in, in flow. What is your mission in life? And mine has evolved from just wanting to be a very good writer to wanting to help other writers write, succeed and get published. 
And in the early days as an editor, I was in a position to do that. And then as the years went on and I started writing books, suddenly I was a book coach. I thought what I wanted to do was be a ghostwriter, but that's a little more complicated than I realized. And so I was helping people. I was editing their books and then I was saying, okay, this is step one. The thing you have to do next is this because people do not know how to write books. And so I helped about 27 people write and publish books. And they were all on a shelf. They were like my grandchildren. <laughs> so it wasn't enough to just be wonderful at something. You had, I then had to figure out a way to, I mean, I was doing it before I realized that this was important. This was something I really needed to be doing was helping other writers write and get published. So discovering your mission is one way of, getting through a lemon and coming out on the other side and being able to say, Hey, life can go on. And maybe going forward, my life will be different, but it also might be better because I understand what my mission is now. And I think it helps to know that everybody is going through something. Yes. And, you know, people who, who are not facing COVID are thinking, well, my, people have it much worse off. I read this somewhere a long time ago. Problems are like molecules of gas in a container. And if you put them in a big container, they swell up and they fill the whole container. And if you put them in a little container, they all get squished and they don't seem as big. So you can have four problems. And if you think that the world is coming to an end because you have these four problems and your whole container is filled with these four problems, you need to like get a grip <laughs> because everyone has problems and it isn't a comparison game where his are worse than mine or, oh my God, look what I'm going through. It's that that's life. It isn't all smooth sailing. And, and if you look at someone and you think they have no problems, they have a lot of money, they're gorgeous, they're married to somebody beautiful, they're driving wonderful cars, etc. You don't know what's going on in their house or in their head. So we all have lemons. We just don't all advertise them. And well, that's the other purpose. That's the other pillar of Lemon Spark is to build a community so that people who are going through their own lemons, which can feel very lonely, know that they're not alone. There are a lot of people who are, are struggling. And the stories like yours today are to remind them that there is another side to the lemon that, you know, it does have a expiration date, as you've said, and that your life can go on and even be better. So I just want to thank you for sharing your story, Bobby, and to remind everyone that if they're interested in learning more about Bobby's book, they can go to www.howtoagewithgrace.com. And Bobby, how else can people contact you if, if they want to reach out? Well, you can email me at bobby at howtoagewithgrace.com, which is just amazing that you could go find an email address and a website that is the exact same name as your book. And, and Bobby is spelled B-O-B-B-I. Right. And at, you, can, you can call me. You can email me. You can call me at 314-495-8589. I would be delighted to talk to anybody who wants to have a conversation about anything. And would be thrilled to be in this community because 
just because you come through something difficult doesn't mean that there isn't a whole lot to learn from some somebody else. So I, I would sign on as just a member to help and be helped in whatever proportion that comes in. Thank you for listening to the Lemon Spark Podcast. If you have a Lemon Spark story to share or know someone who does, please message us on Facebook and be sure to like our page. And remember, it's not the lemon that defines you, it's the spark.